there was no femininity. There was no fertility. There was, it was, it was so small and so sad. And now I have this like big, fat, juicy life. And, and so for me, it's not just about like, I want to do like your body and like, yay, body positivity. Like, that's not this at all. This is like, how do we help you gain passion? Like, how do we help you regain a huge section of your life that has been taken over by thoughts of being smaller, of mm. thoughts that you're not good enough. Like once those either go away or, you know, the volume gets turned down, only then can we make, like, only then do we then have the space to like do the things we always wanted to do. Welcome to the only podcast that will bring you more alive while you smash the patriarchy. Join me, Sam Wilde, a.k.a. The Fertile Feminist, every week as we shift the paradigm, reclaim our native fertility, and create together the version of ourselves that brings forth our heart's desires and changes the world. Ooh, hey there, everybody. I'm excited. I am really excited for this one. And I'm so glad you're here. So welcome, welcome back. I'm just delighted that we get to spend this time together and do something essential. I mean, what you're going to listen to is the work of a woman named Amanda Mittman of Happy Valley Nutrition here in our beautiful Happy Valley is what we call it here in the Pioneer Valley. And she's a registered dietitian, but that's like, I don't know, that's like really selling her, uh, underselling her because she is a visionary. And you can find her on Instagram and you can find her doing bitchin' body image RD on Instagram where she works to help other registered dietitians to really come alive with and awake to the realization that she came awake to in her own life and is now taking to her work where it's about so much more than body positivity. You'll hear her talk about that, but that is like body positivity is, is the ground floor of the elevator of the kind of work that she's doing. And we're going to talk about patriarchy and we talk about this insidious epidemic around women and their bodies. I mean, fat is a feminist issue, something we've been saying for a really long time. And it's critical and essential that we dive in for our own sake and also for the sake of all, all the people that are around us, seeing us, living and being. And that's how I think of Amanda Mittman. She is living and being, walking the talk. She's a living example. You'll hear it. She's absolutely enthusiastic, passionate, inspirational. And just dive in right here with me and let's think about, ooh, our bodies, what we eat, how we live, the space we take up, and patriarchy. Here we go. Amanda, boy, we needed you in the 1980s. Where were you when we were I mean, all... I was... <laughs> I was aged I, uh, zero to 10 in the <laughs> 1980s. Um, I was, we needed I was you. <laughs> yeah, I probably needed myself to be quite honest. So yes, we yeah. needed you. So, I mean, my experience of what you're doing mm-hmm. is that it's, uh, I would even use the word revolutionary because I feel like every time I see something you do on Instagram, read, I get your, your emails from your practice. I mm-hmm. see not just I'm um, thinking, you know, body positive, fat positive, kind of like we've been able to gear up for that in the past five years, but actually even bigger thought. In fact, striking to me is that you have the word patriarchy on your okay. homepage of Happy uh-huh. Valley Nutrition. But guess what, Amanda? That isn't on the front page of every dietitian's uh, website. Mm-hmm. So tell me for you, yeah. I mean, there's so many ways that feminism, patriarchy, body, you know, you, the fat is a feminist issue. So many ways they interrelate. Yeah. But when did you go, oh, right, this isn't just, I don't love my body or whatever. When did you go, wow, this is the world? Yeah. Well, first, I just want to thank you also for having me. I'm so excited to chat with you. Um, and that is like, that's a big question. Um, so, and I'm going to be, totally honest as I, as I am with everybody is that I didn't start out this way for sure. Um, you know, being a dietitian is my second career. I used to work in interior design in my family business for 10 years. And what drove me to become a dietitian was my eating disorder. 
So, mm-hmm. you know, and what they teach you in dietitian school um, is how to help people lose weight, really. I mean, they teach you how to like, you know, diets and, you know, therapeutic diets for certain medical conditions, right? For high cholesterol and celiac, I mean, like all of that, sure. And lots of organic chemistry and science. But I mean, when we really just boil it down, you know, they're teaching us about calories in, calories out, how somebody, you know, comes to you, we need to fix their weight and they're a problem and all that sort of stuff, right? That, 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 that weight, higher weight equals bad health, all all that. And that's what kind of dietitian I was for, for a while, um, because I didn't know any better. And I was also in my own disordered eating. So it really, me, you know, becoming a dietitian really served my eating disorder. Um, Mm. Because it was like, oh, I get to tell people how to eat. Like everybody gets to be like healthy, like I am, right? Like it's so, ugh, you know, when you think about it. Um, but it's a very common for for a lot of us in the space that I'm in to have started this way. But what I started to realize as I was going through my own recovery from my disordered eating was that like, this is what we were taught and like how I was practicing was not okay. Um mm. Because what was happening is when I was working with people one-on-one is that, you know, I, you know, we'd come up with a meal plan and I'd help them like tips and tricks to not eat as much, right? Like that sort of shit. And, uh, sorry, I curse a lot. I'm from New York. So, um, so, so what was happening is that people would, would, you know, do quote unquote well, and by well, we measure it in pounds lost, right? That's kind of how we measure well in, in, in our typical, um, weight centric, um, world that we live in. And, but then what was happening is everybody would eventually gain the weight back and they would think that they were the problem, Mm. but I recognize that it wasn't them. It was me because what I was doing wasn't ethical. Um, and so I am not like a nat, like to be honest, like I'm not a natural born activist. Um, I am not like someone who grew up that way, but when it came to, making peace and acceptance with my body and food and eating, I became extremely passionate and yes, radical um, Mm -hmm. in my beliefs because you cannot have, I don't think you can have healing without it, um, without getting angry at the patriarchy who dictates, you know, these beauty standards and ideals that we need to follow that are absolutely rate, you know, rooted in racism and, um, you know, horrible, horrible ideologies. So mm. it is, I mean, it, it is rad. I tell people it's radical. It's revolutionary because it also takes a lot of this to go against the mainstream, which still, even though it's gotten a little better, still tells us that in order to be accepted in this world, we need to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. you know so that's kind of a very long answer to your question oh it's fantastic I, i'm taking notes <laughs> oh my boom oh, boom okay. boom i love it that is so powerful and I, okay i'm gonna go in many different ways but the first thing oh. that strikes me listening to that is i'm very fascinated by the fact that really when we get to our core healing we do simultaneously engage with healing the world. And it sounds to me like that's part of what you woke up to. And it also sounds like, tell me if I'm wrong, that your realization about the external toxicity of the patriarchy, the capitalism, mm-hmm. the racism, the violence, the whole system was simultaneous with your own healing in your body, yeah. with your body and for yourself. Is that true? Yeah, absolutely. A hundred percent. I mean, I was so blind to it because of the, because I could, because of the multiple privileges that I hold. Right. And when you start to, so like what you said before is, you know, not every dietitian or nutritionist like talks about the patriarchy and, um, and, and, uh, you know, this kind of radicalness is because a lot of most dietitians don't, and that's okay. Like that's their own journey. Right. But, but this movement, this movement of weight inclusivity of, um, anti-diet is, is rooted in social justice. Mm. 
and you can't have one without the other. And, you know, making space for all people um, with all marginalizations to know that their body is valid um, is important because again, we've been taught that it's not. And so we grow up thinking there's something wrong with us or bad or wrong. And uh, gosh, the amount of shame that we all carry around is is really, can be really debilitating. So this is also a social justice movement. Um, and, and we, and we say that to our clients too, like part of healing is getting mad, is mm. getting angry. Um, and I have some, I have a lot of clients who are activists in their own right. And I'm like, we need to like, let's, let's talk to that part of you, the activist part of you and like mm. get that stirred up and get angry at the messages that you were given because the truth of the matter is we didn't make any of this up ourselves we were given these messages um so we yeah yeah i love that i love that because you're talking about internal activism and how fascinating it is that we could be activists we could actually be doing all those things to make the world a better place and internally not have become activists for and with ourselves yeah oh totally yeah i love the way i love the way that you said that i mean even i think sometimes we think of or i did or activism these huge like sweeping gestures and you know chaining yourself to a tree right like those right but even just saying to a family member please don't talk about my body Mm. or I don't allow diet talk in my house Mm. Um, or, or stopping who you, you know, changing who you purchase from, right? Like clothing Mm. companies or corporations that you purchase from because you want to make sure that they're size inclusive, right? Even those are, are, are moments and um, acts of activism. Mm -hmm. Um, against the patriarchy, right? That again, tells us that we need to look a certain way in order to be valid, so. Now, given that stance, do you define yourself, would you use for yourself the word feminist? Yeah, I mean, I. it's interesting, um, sure. I mean, because, right, feminism is really all about equality, right? And, um, as you, as I think, as you said, right. But what I want to say, one part of this is I want to say is I have, you know, we live in the same area and we have a, I have a lot of clients who are self-proclaimed feminists, right. Mm-hmm. And what tends to happen is they, there's a lot of guilt because what mm-hmm. people say is I identify as a feminist, right? Like bring down the patriarchy. How can I still hate my body and also mm-hmm. be a feminist? Um, and for many people, it's like, you can't have both. You can't be a feminist and also not like your body. And there's a lot of guilt and shame around that for people. And and I I get it. Um, and, and a lot of people will say, well, I can understand the concept of like how it's wrong that the patriarchy and, you know, diet culture tells us that we're not right the way that we are. But for myself, I still, you know, I still have body image struggles. How could I, how could that be if I'm still a feminist? And what I say to people is, you know, you can be both. It's a both and situation. Mm. And I see people's shoulders, you know, like start to drop when I say that. I'm like, you can be a feminist, however that means to you, right? And still rally up against diet culture, the patriarchy. And yet you still have a body in our culture. And it is very hard to have a body. Mm. It is. Um, it is very- yeah. yeah, and that sense that they feel an internal, a sense of failure as a feminist, yes. or maybe an internal sense of hypocrisy. Like, how can this be? How can yeah. I be strong here and so weak there? And what you're saying is because it's so, uh, it is the water we swim in. You know, we are yeah. the fish in the bowl. It is permeated. It's on a cellular level. It's from the time you're before you're even taking your first breath. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I say, it's like, you know, we all swim in the same toxic soup. Right. And, you know, I think what better act of, you know, bravery than to like be in session with me and working on body acceptance, you know, that is the work. It's not like I have to love my body. Otherwise I'm a failed feminist. It's 
wow, I, I feel so strongly in my beliefs and wow, it's really hard for me to accept my body because of all the messages that I've been given. Like you said, before I even took my, took my first breath. Right. Um, mm. and, and so we work on that. And then I think people start to like, just, can we just like stop with the shame? Like we feel so yeah. ashamed about it. And this perfection about being the perfect feminist and I'm not feminist enough or I'm too like, you know, it's just like, I just want people just to feel okay in their skin. And I didn't even say love their skin just to feel mm -hmm. okay. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah. Um, I see, so, I guess. So, I see yeah. Yeah. A struggle then around that word. Like I noticed when I said that, would you describe yourself as a feminist? <laughs> a little, a little hesitance and the hesitance is because you would, but what does that mean? If that would trigger a response for people like, oh, well, a feminist person is someone who's just like loving their body, naked under the full moon, mm -hmm. totally at peace, isn't having those struggles. And the work of, I mean, it's so important for us to be honest. And I, I know you are, your stories on your website, talk about yeah. your own, uh, that's something that having that fourth curtain drop that, you know, when I think about weight stuff that I went through in my earlier life, even yeah. the people who helped me were not telling their own stories. Mm. And we have to tell our own story so people can say, oh, Sam's a feminist. Sam's doing all these things. And yet, you know, and yet so many terrible, horrible marriage to a man who mm. was abusive. Wow. Mm. And the whole time I did that, I was a feminist. Right. You know, so those, those like ways that we are all broken pots. I always love that metaphor. Love and that. you still can fill your pitcher, your broken pitcher with water and water the flowers. Um, so that I think that's really powerful to own it. But I also love that you're holding a, a little space around feminists for the possibility that that could be very tender for people in terms of feeling like, uh, what would it mean? A feminist is not necessarily someone who's loving their body. Feminism is, is someone who's working towards the human liberation, first mm -hmm. for self and then for others. Uh, yep. I think I think that that's the simultaneous path that goes along. Now I'm gonna run something by you. I'm okay. gonna go back to your, I'm gonna go back to your story because I wanna talk about it. I'm gonna yeah. <laughs> run something by you now. Okay. okay. You tell me if you've ever heard this before and if it makes sense for your work. Okay. Okay. So I love the word fertile. And to me, fertile is creative, abundant, lush, juicy, alive, really alive is the best synonym for fertility. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've gone down the road to where it's just this very small medicalized. Uh, yeah, sure, only, sure. Only relates to like, you got the babies and I don't got right. the babies. Right, right, so, right. Going back to a pre-patriarchy time, we're talking about, you know, thousands and thousands and thousands of years, when what, whatever they've researched back to when the goddess ruled, mm -hmm. they call what was happening at the time mm -hmm. cult or cults of fertility, fertility cults, which I know you probably heard that phrase, a fertility cult. Well, the fertility cults were just the groups of people, like they are now of religious people, who loved and worshiped a certain image so these fertility cults were the ones that loved and were uh, worshiping and glorifying the concept of the goddess and the goddess was ample abundant oh, yeah. uh -huh. right so so this is so fascinating to me i don't know how you see it coming up but the idea that fertility our juicy aliveness oh wait no i'm gonna ask you this i'm gonna ask you about your passion thing the juicy aliveness of fertility related to the patriarchy, right? We take it away. It wants to take away not just our physical form, uh, be smaller, be tinier, yeah. but yeah. the juicy aliveness. And your number one thing in your on your website, yeah. your number one thing about what you help people do. And it just, this was like, Amanda, I was like, what? You are just doing it so big and so holistically. Your number one thing was about helping people get in touch with their passion. Now, if I went oh, to yeah. a dietitian's website, I would not expect to see that. And that's where I go in my mind of like the fertility cult, the idea yeah. that our fertility is our passion, our aliveness, and it's connected to having the body that we have. Yeah, I know. I know. So, so if I, I currently reside in a body that I've always feared. You know, and 
if you would ask me one of my disordered days, like, you know, one day, Amanda, you're going to be this size. I would be like, you know, shut up. Like that is never going to happen. That's wrong and bad. Right. And so wow, yeah. what I have found through my own work, my own personal work of body accepted, and also really like, you know, in our society, the patriarchy is really, it's that masculine, right. And really this work is embracing the feminine. Yes. Um, and and compassion and kindness and not pushing right and and acceptance is I found that in my own personal story that as I have embraced fertility right passion creativity the feminine I even though my body has gotten bigger because for me healing meant a larger body since I mm. you know there's a lot of restriction going on I have so much more joy and love mm. and creativity and passion. Like my life is so insanely better in a larger body than it ever was in a smaller body. Mm. Society might disagree with you. Society might say, well, no, because before you were smaller, right? And that's kind of all they see. But my world right. was very, very small. There was no femininity. There was no fertility. There was, mm. it was it was so small and so sad. And now I have this like big, fat, juicy life. Mm -hmm. And, and so for me, it's not just about like, I want you to like your body and like, yay, body positivity. Like, that's not this at all. This is like, how do we help you gain passion? Like, how do we help you regain a huge section of your life that has been taken over by thoughts of being smaller, of thoughts mm. that you're not good enough. Like once those either go away or, you know, the volume gets turned down, only then can we make, like only then do we then have the space to like do the things we've always wanted to do. So mm. for me, that's re like, that is a very important concept and pleasure, right? We talk about pleasure a lot. We talk about creativity, all that sort of stuff. Um, because that's what you, you gain. You know, my story is that my body got bigger. It doesn't mean that everybody's body gets bigger. Um, it's just, that's just my story. And that's just a lot of people's story because we've lived in, in such restriction for so long. So, yeah. Well, what, what you started with when you said all that is that you reside in a body that you had always feared. And uh -huh. I, I do want you to tell me about your own story, but I also want to just drop in for a moment with the word fear, because we hadn't talked about it yet. I think it's yeah. such a good, we talked about, you know, shame, but the fear is very powerful. And I also think it's connected to the larger systemic oppressions, which is that what, what happened in patriarchy is that we fear, we fear the feminine, we fear yep. the fertile, we fear the alive, we fear the, uh, we fear the black, we fear the whatever is foreign to us. Yeah. Um, all of we fear. And of course we fear the feminine. And yeah. To, yeah. to think about when you, you were able to come into being in what you thought would be a fearful experience and find instead joy mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. aliveness bigness but in order to do it I'm just making sure I hear you you said this is the second part I wrote down that you had to make you had to still or quiet one voice and make yeah. space for the other which is and and the other has to be heard so this is what I think is really important in what you're doing and in what we all need to have which is that you cannot simply say screw you uh, oh, oppressive voice, screw you, oppressive system, right. screw you, screw you, patriarchy. You have to have what you're putting in. So because we we abhor a vacuum. So you just say, I hate patriarchy. I'm going to smash it. I hate, you know, fighting with my own body. But what is it? What's the new voice? What's the new yeah. dialogue? And what are yeah. the thoughts that you're filling your head with? Yeah, I mean, that's the new dialogue is is challenging to create because because we need to rewire the tapes right that have mm. been playing in our head for, for for most of us as you said before we even took our first breath but like for decades you know mm -hmm. um and and that take that is the work right it's not like well don't think just just you know again I keep saying oh just love your body like but that does 
does all the other, again, these thoughts and beliefs that we were told, like it does a disservice. It's not easy to rewire. And, mm. and we'll also say that it's not perfect, right? So there are certainly many moments that like pop up for me that I'm like, Ooh, I'm not really liking it. Like I'm not, I am not vibing with myself today, but then I get to ask myself from a curious and compassionate place, like what is really going on? Mm. Typically it has something to do that has nothing to do with my body. Uh, but our body is the perfect scapegoat, right? Cause we can hate our body really well. Uh, it's much easier to hate our body than to sit in discomfort of something else, right? That might be happening. This is okay. Let's, let's come back to the, the internal healing and external healing happening mm -hmm. simultaneously, because what we're talking about in terms of like getting a new message, what I say to my yoga students, the people I mentor, everybody mm -hmm. all the time is that whatever you got to hear, you got to hear it all the time. Eat it, drink it, smoke it, make love with it, wear it every day, all day. You cannot keep smoking that same crap. You cannot yeah. put that tea. You can't drink that tea you've been drinking for 20 years. And it's not just having it once or twice right. or once right. a week. We really are, like you said, we're reprogramming. We have been brainwashed. We have been hypnotized. And in order to... Um, come into that power so for you tell us a little bit about i know it's a longer story but tell us a little bit about what it was like and what the sort of key points were for you and then what you do so that you are downloading yeah. every day what you need to hear to stay in that place yeah. of power yeah i mean and and i want to say it's really challenging because when we're the, the thing that's really difficult about like food, you know, your relationship with food and your body is that like, we can't avoid food, you know, we need food and like mm. we, we're in our bodies. So like if someone was stopping smoking, while stopping smoking is very, very difficult, you don't need it to live. Mm. And so, and there's not a lot of story around smoking necessarily. When it comes to food in the body, there is a lot of story, you know, either again, through diet culture, through our own family. And it's really hard. So we're doing this work of, I don't like to use the word recovery, but of healing our mm. own body story, food and body narrative. So we're, we're kind of off on the side doing it within the larger context of diet culture. Diet culture is not going anywhere. In mm. fact, it's only getting more insidious because what's happening is that big corporations, right? So we know that the diet industry is like, you know, diet culture is a, a multi-billion dollar industry, right? And what's happening is that it's getting very, very smart. Diet culture understands that we know fundamentally that diets don't work. And if you've been on more than one diet, which most people have, you you get it. Like diets right. don't work in the long term. And so what diet, what diet companies are starting to do is is go the wellness route. And mm. so for instance, we don't have Weight Watchers anymore. We have WW, right? We we have Noom, which is absolutely, they, it's like, it's a lifestyle change. It's not, it's a diet, right? So anytime something aims to change the shape of your body or manipulate what you eat in order to change the shape of your body, it's a diet. And, and what we see now is, um, you know, things like anti-inflammatory and clean mm. eating and, mm. and well, and I'm also a functional dietitian as well. And so I, I understand why those can be helpful for some people, but the truth of the matter is for them, for the majority of people, there's always this underlining thing of, if I just eat clean, then I'll be healthy and then I'll lose weight. Right. And so right. how do we start to change the narrative? while we're swimming in this toxic soup. And that's really hard. And so for me, what has been helpful is one is community. And I know mm -hmm. you understand it's it's like, find your people, right? Like mm -hmm. if they're not your family or the friends circle that you have like around you, find an online community. And there are so many awesome, like weight inclusive, non-diet, you know, intuitive eating communities out there. Um, that's how I started my healing is I found other people that were, that were doing, it. I did like a, a group program, you know, so that's really helpful. Another thing is, you know, curating your social media feed, um, mm. are, is your feed only like thin white women, you know, like how about following like fat people who are like having fun and like living mm. a great life 
and like doing things that normal people do um, or people of all different sizes and colors and abilities and genders is like it's there's mm. so much of a world out there and I think curating our social media so that when we scroll we feel good about ourselves as mm-hmm. opposed to being less than is really really important um and the other thing it just this is just this is like a process right body image work is not outcome based it's process based mm-hmm. and so this is kind of constant work this is not like an archaeo- this is this is not a, a marathon right we get to the end and we're like I accept my body and get our capping down. (laughs) This is as my mentor, Brie Campos, body image with Brie. She says it's an archaeological dig down, Mm. right? So kind of constantly like digging down and being like, oh, I'm uncovering something like, ooh, that feels, that doesn't feel so great. Like let's explore that, right? So it's a, it's a dig down instead of a, a sprint onwards. So you know, this is, this is challenging. This is challenging work. And I think the fear is, is that our body shape is going to change and it does for a lot of people. And then we need other, we need support in order to like talk that out, the emotions and the fears and the feelings that come up during, you know, when our body changes. So those are great ones, community, the social media, and then that deep understanding that this is a process and a continuous process of growth. I mean, for me, when I think about patriarchy, my working definition for patriarchy is infertility and that mm-hmm. a systematic, uh, full, complete infertility, absolute infertility on every level. And yeah. infertility on every level is death. So when, when you are in your body dealing with the ongoing shame and sense of self-hatred because of what the patriarchy has put on you, you're yeah. in total infertility. You literally cannot feel alive. Yeah. And if yeah. I'm dealing, yeah, if I'm dealing with somebody who's struggling to feel alive, it's not a light switch for most of the time for most of the people. Um, right. And even if you had a light switch, which is what you're saying, Amanda, even if you had a light switch for yourself, the next day you wake up and you open up yeah. Instagram. And yeah, exactly. Your light goes off, it, and I your mean, light goes exactly. off. right? Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Or we eat something salty. Right. And we look in the mirror and we're like, oh, I'm so bloated. Like, and then our body image, right. It's, it's constant work. And one, one thing, cause I've, I've mentioned this and, and this kind of goes with this, you know, patriarchy and, and diet culture is, you know, I think we have also now something like toxic body positivity, which is like, you must love your body. Mm-hmm. And I, while I think it's wonderful if you can get there and um, I want to say that for most people, it is, it's just not realistic, um, to get to a place of like loving your body or loving your body all of the time. And so when I tell people that's not my goal, I mean, like if you can get there, like awesome. Um, but the goal is really body acceptance of like, this is my here and now body. And this is where I can do body image work. Um, if you're at body hatred, can we get you towards body dislike? Can we just move you up the spectrum, right? And then at the very end of it, you know, you can call body acceptance, body kindness, body respect. And that is available to us at any size. Because when we think of body love, we're like, it just seems like a it, too much to chew, right? Mm-hmm. Um but if I, my goal is body kindness, it's like, Ooh, I can access that at any size, no matter where I'm at. I can access body respect. Like I can respect myself. Um, so, so I just want to let people know that like, if body positivity seems like too much of a stretch, like that's okay. And you're very normal. (laughs) Like you're not (laughs) failing. You're not failing. Right. It goes back to like being the perfect feminist, what right. I thought of like, I'm not doing anti-diet enough. I'm not doing, um, I'm not doing like, you know, uh, fat ally enough, right? I'm not doing this well and body image stuff enough. It's like, yes, you are, you know? Mm. So it's That's again- powerful. Yeah. And I, and I've seen you posting about that, particularly on Instagram and thinking to me, it's thinking about the fact that even something as wonderful as body positivity and that movement, of course it can be corrupted by, you guessed it, the patriarchy, our culture, social media, all the influences, the white cis garbage, garbage. 
And it's fascinating because everything can be. And we think, oh, yoga. Well, certainly you're not going to go to yoga right, and find right, a bunch right. of skinny white ladies sleeping with their teachers. But right, yes, right, right. Right, yes right, they right. are. And yeah. and they hate their bodies. I have a friend who's in LA and oh my goodness, that scene is so different from me, nine years old, practicing yoga in my basement, what I thought it was. And mm -hmm. so even that, so to be vigilant, to say, look, well, body positivity is a beautiful movement, but that's not, that is not, uh, it, it itself has then becomes part of the machine. And what you're saying in terms of wholeness makes me think about what I love about shifting from, uh, something that is not just unattainable, but inaccurate, inaccurate. I mean, I love my body and I, that's fantastic, but that was never for me a goal in my healing. I just happened down the road. It happened. Sure. And a lot of people go for the goal of happiness and we constantly miss the mark because if we're trying in a goal oriented society yeah. to be going for something and happiness is sort of elusive. But if you go for wholeness, if you say, mm -hmm. look, you don't need to love your body, but to be whole, to be alive. This is this is where you're going to feel your passions, to feel your fertility. Then all of a sudden, it it just comes in like a little bird on on a tree branch and sings you a song one day, and you go, "Holy shit, I love my body for five minutes." You know, yeah, um, yeah, that's exactly. I mean, that's exactly right. Yep, you nailed it. So tell me, because I want to know. I have no, you are my neighbor and I've really only known you as this powerhouse doing really remarkable work and work to heal us and our planet. Who's this person? Who's this person in there going through years and years? What was your story of um, feeling that fear about your body? Yeah, sure. I mean, I think like most young people, you know, just growing up in a place where yeah, I felt like I had to fit in and I never really felt like I a hundred percent fit in. Like I always knew I was a little bit of like, you know, a uh, slight weirdo, but always trying so hard to fit in um, just based on where I, where I grew up and, and the culture there. And um, it, it really brought about, like for me, there was, okay, if I'm smaller, wow, people really, you know, give me great attention and love and, and whatnot, like, wow. And this was kind of when I was in college as, as well. And then I lived in New York city in my early twenties. And so it's, it's really easy to be disordered in the city because that is what is expected. You know, nobody blinks an eye, um, mm. at some of the behaviors that I was exhibiting because that's just what's normal. Um, and so for me, it's like, wow, like this is life is in my mind, life was better and more exciting when I was smaller. Um, and then again, through my own healing land later in life, I recognize that obviously like that, that was not, not the case. Um, because what we tend to fear when our bodies get larger is what I hear most often is like, I'm going to be unlovable. I'm going to, I'm not worthy. It, it, it's deep, right? It's not like, well, I'm not going to fit into my clothes. Well, sure. Okay, fine. But like, what's at the core of that? And usually what I find when we follow, we pull that thread, you know, and we pull the yarn and we get to the bottom of it. It's like, I'm going to be alone. I'm unlovable. I'm unworthy. Um, and so there's that work that has to go alongside it. So really examining your beliefs around what weight means. So really ex examining your own fat phobia, quite honestly, and your mm -hmm. own internalized weight stigma. Mm -hmm. So that is also a lot of the work. And so I've of course been able to uncouple, I am unlovable and, and my body size and other people's body size too. Um, but that was only going like, I, I wasn't, I wasn't able to do that really without going through my own healing. Um, and so I really have compassion for, for people that are really, really terrified to do this work because it might mean that their body's going to change and our bodies always change, especially like, you know, we're women, like you have kids and you go through perimenopause, which is where I am right now. And shit's changing all the time. And that's scary. And then we have these underlying beliefs of, yeah, but like, am I going to be as like lovable or worthy or valid as a human being if my body changes? And that feels really scary. And those are the kind of conversations that I have with people. And that is amazing to think about 
the the level, the depth of it, which is what you described, the depth of it, that the body size is equals worthiness. Body size yeah. small equals lovability. Mm-hmm. When I imagine what the world could look like, to me, feminism is a, is about visioning, visioning into a future we can't imagine. But yeah. when I go back and I say, oh, really? Well, there was a time when our icons, our archetypes, our images of deity, the highest you can think of being a deity, and whether we're religious or not, even mythologically, that's the highest you can think of, were beautiful, abundant, lush female bodies, bodies in the in, with breasts and bottoms and thighs. Yeah. And thinking about now where we have nothing, you know, and then you say, oh, wait, I could go to social media and I could begin to see other people. But where are those other people looking like where mythologically, where spiritually, where religiously? And something that happens to me uh, when I go on social media is I get depressed. <laughs> I get totally. so depressed yeah. on Instagram, even when I'm not really trying to curate it. But yeah. I get depressed. But part of the reason is for me is that I do a lot around what would be called like feminine spirituality. Let's say that that would be the catchphrase. And I, it really feels defeating to find even people who are maybe on the cutting edge. And yeah. the images that arise around feminine spirituality are, well, basically like, you know, the skinny white lady still doing yoga. They are yeah. about, they are about sexiness and beauty. And, and part of my work in terms of um, the concept of the great mother and the great mother archetype is I love that archetype in specific rather than say the sacred feminine, mm. because she is the possessor of the body that looks like uh, our mountains here, the rolling hills, uh, the body mm-hmm. of abundance and ampleness. And it and it really takes us outside of the concept of like, even if I was going to go on this path with you or anyone would, or all of us would together go with you. And we wanted to say, oh, really go deep, deep, deep to that sense of worthiness. And who am I? What's my identity? And who is the, what am I reflecting? Okay, okay. I'm going to reflect not just what I see in media, but I'm going to reflect this concept of a divine feminine. Oh my Mm. gosh. Then you hit the wall again, because all she is is skinny and beautiful and sexy. Mm. And which again, limits us to this tiny little reality where who we are is, am I, am I lovable? Not just lovable, I think, but am I lovable to the a person who would, who would find me sexy, who would who want to mm-hmm. marry me or sleep with me? I'm, I mean, usually often for women, it's a man, but it doesn't actually matter to be a woman, right. be anybody. Right. And, and then, and we go, and then we go again to this tiny, tiny little world, even in what seems to be a beautiful gift of, of claiming our feminine spirituality. So, so when I think about the concept of motherhood, because you mentioned that body's changing. I have five children, so my body's love to change. Yeah. <laughs> my body has done a lot of changing. Yeah. The mother, the mother is great because she doesn't have to be sexy and beautiful all the time. She right. can be uh, productive. She can be nurturing. She can be fierce. She, she's going to lift the car up if you're dying. She's going right. to punch your boyfriend. Right. You know what? Getting some of those things speaking metaphorically mythologically um what do you hold do you hold anything in your mind Um, you don't even have to be spiritual religious but like where where does your attention go on the metaphysical Mm. i i mean i i you know and i think about you you know you, you had mentioned like thinking back to way before and like these images of goddesses or deities or whoever and they were luscious right Mm-hmm. I just, I always think about that and just, um, that, you know, our bodies as women were so revered in like mm. all, like, like you, in, in all of its roundness. And for so long, like that was, that was right. That was power, right? Like we have great hips to like create, we create people, right? If we so choose. Mm or what, mm. or, you know, there's, there's, it's just, you know, I feel, sometimes I feel sad about it. I feel anger and I feel sadness about how the ideal has really changed. Um, and we've gotten so far away from what power really can look mm. like and has meant for centuries, you know? Yes. Um, yes. What, what power looks like. I mean, that is really something. What power looks like does power look like a tiny little hungry body what and it doesn't have 
maybe it does sometimes, but right. what does power look like? It can't possibly look like only one thing. And, and that's, you know, connects all the different pieces. Like what we like, what does power look like when I'm in my power? What do I look like when you're in your power? And that could change. That could be one thing on Tuesday exactly. and another thing on Friday. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Just like you said, you know, like it's that, that energy of the motherhood of like, you know, something happened last week and I was like in full mama bear mode. Right. And someone, someone who I, who I know really well, she was like, I've never seen a mama bear, Amanda. And I was like, yes, this is a part of me that like, doesn't come out very much because thankfully I haven't yeah. had to feed it, but like, it's there. That's part of me. And that's like my power. You know, that was my power of the moment, but then there's like, you know, maybe something softer and more creative. And then there's kind of like, you know, I'm a business owner. And then there's like that power that comes in through there and it, and it looks really different. And what I'm so grateful for is that I have the space to occupy all of that because I am not thinking about my body. Yes. I'm yes. About dieting. Yes, I'm yes. not thinking about what I'm eating, you know, like, it's like, I have the space to do that when, again, when I was really under the clutches of diet culture, um, and, and everything it told me I needed to be, I wasn't anything. I mean, of course I was something, but I, I, I had this huge dream. Like I, I have achieved the dreams that I had back when I was smaller in the mm. now. So it's like, you know, to me, like, would I rather be smaller and like, in all forms, what I rather for me, for me, be larger in all forms. And I would pick the latter, you know, every single time. Um, well, we pick, we pick it for you too, because I'm talking to someone who is passionate, alive, energetic, joyful, dynamic. I mean, every time okay. I talk to you, that's how you are. Every time I talk to you oh, and well that, that aliveness, is infectious and that's what you're, you're ultimately for me sharing you with people is to say look you just hang out with a man you go yes i want your purple kool-aid i want to drink what you're <laughs> drinking because you are that you are the walking example of like look and i know it's a process everything all that but really you are a walking example like i've come into this aliveness through my healing and recovery and i'm right. going to show you those yeah. steps. So tell us, uh, so people know where they can find you. Sure. Sure. Before I say that, I want to add one, I'm going to get one final thing in and yeah, then get it in. Um, yeah, I want to get this in is that grief is a huge part of this work because mm -hmm. I want to say like, you know, we, we tend to, this is what toxic body, like body positivity tends to do and be like, just love your body. Like, I, and I told you at the beginning, like, I don't always exist in a space of like, my body is great. And there is grief of existing in a larger body and not having a smaller body anymore. Because again, it is hard to, again, live in society when, when your body has gotten larger. And so what I want to just offer to people is that it's called, you know, we call it sitting in the suck. And that needs mm. to happen in body image work and, and grief. So if you wake up one day and you're like, I really don't feel good about myself. Like that is okay. Mm. Um, you're not doing anything wrong. And so we didn't touch upon this because, but, but I could have a whole other episode about body grief and how mm. important that is. Um, and it needs to be honored um, on the flip side. Um, and not brushed under the table. So I just want to honor if, if, if anybody feels grief around what their body looks like, or they're changing body or, or whatever, um, that is really valid. And, and, you know, part of my role is also to sit in that suck with people and not mm. try and fix anything. Right. It's like, yep, yep. It sucks. Um, it so sucks. I just, wanna, I just wanted to put that out there. Uh, cause I think it's really important to, to mention, um, like even the though, we're yeah, the grief, like even though I'm choosing not to be a part of this, the messaging that is sent again, we are all swimming in that same toxic soup. And so it's going to come up. It's just going to come Wait, up. Okay. It's going to come up. I mean, I might add that word to what you said at the beginning. You said um, there's no healing without getting angry at the patriarchy. And, and so I wonder if you would say then too there and there's no healing without the grief. Yes. At least sometimes, at least sometimes. So, so yeah, when we sit in grief and we sit in the suck, what comes, what, what ends up happening is that we're able to move through, like once we're able to move through that, because what tends to happen is the moment we feel discomfort and sad about our body in our, in our minds, we go, Ooh, I'm going to fix it. And I'm going to go on another mm -hmm. diet. And then like around and around we go. 
But when we're able to hop off that kind of roller coaster or hamster wheel, and we're like, I'm just going to sit in this suck. What comes after it is body acceptance of this is my here and now body. And like, now I can do body work. So grief is like a very, very important piece of the whole, the whole puzzle. So I I felt like I wanted to say that. Um, So where can people find me? So I, um, I have a group practice of weight inclusive, fat positive dietitians in Western mass. And um, our website is uh, happyvalleynutrition.com. And uh, people can reach me through there. And on Instagram, it's at happy Valley nutrition. And then I also have a, a, a side business of, I teach other dietitians how to, um, incorporate body image skills, like counseling skills in their sessions. And so that is, um, bitchin, B I T C H I N body image, R D, um, dot com. And, uh, sorry, that's the Instagram handle bitchin body image R D. And that's for, for other dietitians. So. And we didn't even get to the word bitching, but that's why I'm going to have to talk to you. Again I know so my mom can... hates that. My mom was like, could you pick something like a little less? Like? And I was like, you know, and also like, it's bitching because honestly, this work, it's radical, right? Like, and, and also like, I like to have a little fun. I'm kind of sassy. A lot of times body image work is very serious, right? It's like, yes. really good. like if we could just bring a smile to this and yes. like a little bit of lightness and humor to it. Um, to me, I think is it's really necessary because this shit can get heavy. So it can get, and, and I mean, it says it. I mean, you know exactly what you mean when you say bitch and body. So yeah, you get yes, right there. Yes, yes, yep, yep. Oh, Amanda, I just feel so fed by our conversation. This Thank is you, this Sam. is spiritual food, intellectual food, philosophical food, food for the soul. This is really wonderful. And all the treasures you've given us. So thank you for everything. And thank you for, for being, having the courage to do what you did with yourself so that you could be this for so many people. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks so much for having me. And thank you for the work that you're doing. And I love, like, I'm so inspired by like, all the different things that you do and putting yourself out there. I'm like, oh my gosh, you are so incredible. So thank you for the work that you do. And I'm so glad to know you. Thank you, Amanda. And I, I you're going to have you. to give me business lessons in your spare time because <laughs> okay. you give me video <laughs> lessons and we'll, we'll trade. We'll do a little trade. <laughs> have a wonderful, wonderful day. Thanks, Sam. You too. Okay. Okay. Later. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening in. This is me, Sam Wild, aka The Fertile Feminist, and you've been listening to The Fertile Feminist Podcast. Find me on YouTube at The Samantha Wild, aka The Fertile Feminist, and hit the website, thesamanthawild.com, for all kinds of resources, inspirations, and ideas. Also on Instagram at The Fertile Feminist. Until next week. May you tap into that native abundance, creativity, fruitfulness, and life force that's going to help us all bring about that more beautiful world that we know is possible.